Thank you so much because you say that empowering young generations is a big step. And actually, as a young person, after listening to Ben's presentation, I really want to trade for sure. Yes. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, we have just listened to the band um, from AAX presentation about digital asset. And for those who has just come, welcome back to the Vietnam Blockchain Summit. We are here at the largest and the most high profile Vietnam blockchain event right here in the capital city of Vietnam, Hanoi. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, okay, so we are ready for the panel discussions coming up next. In this world of blockchain, one of the biggest questions have been asked is that, what is actually the real world use for BTC? Is that digital money? Is that a new gold? Is that a new medium of exchange for black market? And for honestly, for a lot of people in Vietnam, speculations for Bitcoins, for BTC are real. And blockchain technology somehow, they think are for speculations. But for us, we think that that isn't necessarily a bad thing. The question here is that how can we bridge the gap between speculations and the fundamental values of BTC, of blockchain technology? And we have an amazing panel waiting in the backstage, ready to come to the stage, saying hi to everyone. And may I present to you, and it is also my honor to welcome to the stage, our total of six panelists will answer this question for us. First of all, our moderator, please welcome Editor-in-Chief from Cointelegraph, Ms. Christina Connor. And also, please welcome Head of Financial Services, Bitcoin.com, Mr. Corbin Fraser. Our next panelist is CEO and co-founder from CoinWeb, Mr. Toby Gilbert. And also, we have CEO from Beconomy, Mr. Dimitri Shalutko. I hope that I don't disappoint you in pronouncing your name. All right. Coming up next will be CEO from Plaisenaya Web3 Digital Bank. Please welcome Mr. Leo Wu. And we have CEO of Our Network. Please welcome Ms. Pu Chen. Amazing, six speakers, one moderator, five panelists coming up next with a panel discussion bridging the gap between speculations and also some fundamental values of blockchain technology. The state is yours. Thank you so much for this wonderful presentation. I'm really honored and happy to be here. Thank you very much for the organizers to, to bring forward this very important topic. Uh, I'm really um, fascinated by the way we had this challenging headline title for the discussion today. Um, so I'm not a fan of uh, pitchy presentations uh, as uh, introductions. So I would love to start this panel in uh, asking you all one question. What was your first step into the digital assets and blockchain technology? How did you learn about it? And what was your first impression? So please tell us your personal stories. Should we start maybe from the right side? Okay. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Leo. Uh, I started buying Bitcoin like seven years ago, and I have a uh, tech background. So then I think that this technology is really great, and that's how I start learning coding with smart contracts and things. Yeah. 
Amazing, Dimitri. Yeah, hello everyone. Hello Vietnam. Nice to meet you today. Uh, my name is Dmitry Shalutko. I'm the CEO of Bioeconomy.com. We are the top 50 cryptocurrency exchange in the world. So I came to crypto from the stock markets. I used to be a trader and fund manager on New York Stock Exchange. And uh, it was like in 2014 when I jumped to this industry. So it's quite same as the stock markets right now and we're building the same structure. Corbin. Yeah, so for me, uh... My name is Corbin Fraser, uh, head of financial services at Bitcoin.com. Uh, you know, I've been in the space since 2013. My uh, my first foray into the world of Bitcoin and digital assets was actually from a Reddit comment. So Reddit is an online social media platform where you discuss and gossip over whatever news is happening is in the it, world. Is Reddit widely used here in Vietnam? Sorry. Is Reddit uh, widely uh, widely <laughs> widely <laughs> used here in Vietnam? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Basically, my experience was uh, I, I'd said something very intelligent, which occasionally happens. And uh, I actually received a tip in Bitcoin on a, it was a platform called Change Tip, and uh, it was a it was a tip for what? It was a tip for basically. I, I said something clever. Someone gave me some Amazing. some free BTC. It was like five dollars at the time. It eventually went up, but it was a one of those first like. What just happened? Someone sent me money over an internet forum where I said something clever. Um, and that was kind of the first foray into like digging into what Bitcoin is and, and you know, what digital assets can do for the world. Amazing story. I like it a lot. Thank you, Corbin. Let's move forward. Toby. Hi, I'm Toby Gilbert. I'm the CEO of CoinWeb and OnRamp. Uh, we are a layer two cross-computation platform, effectively where we build the pipelines, um, the pipes for blockchain. Um, in, at, towards the end of 2017, I was sitting on a beach in northern Goa in India, and I was with uh, my business partner from uh, telecommunications at the time, who's about as close to a genius as you will ever meet. His early papers on artificial intelligence were published by NASA and the US Department of Defense, and it's still used as their core technology. And as I was sitting on this beach, he was explaining to me about blockchain technology and what was needed to happen for it to ever gain some real traction. Um, and he was explaining problems around scaling uh, security whilst maintaining uh, decentralization, ergo the, what is commonly referred to and known as the, the blockchain trilemma today. And it got me hooked. Uh, and we embarked on this mission to solve those problems uh, pretty much in the, the technology that we're shipping now, uh, which then creates the infrastructure for a lot of the trading uh, and all the different businesses that you guys are all involved in. Beautiful. Thank you, Toby. Two. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> this is Chil. So my first experience with blockchain was in 2017. So we uh, did a blockchain for enterprise uh, project, also a startup. And then we saw more potentials to digital asset and blockchain uh, beyond the private sector. So we decided to found uh, our network. Uh, we are kind of newbie. We founded the project last year. And uh, so our project is a layer one uh, scalable infrastructure. And uh, our project, we want to build the uh, internet of NFTs. So we got a little bit inspired by the IoT uh, term the internet of NFTs, where NFTs are all connected. 
Internet of NFTs is amazing. Formulation, I like it. Um, yeah, I think there are so many amazing areas uh, that blockchain can make the difference. Internet of Things. Uh, I, I've been before in the energy sector a lot, uh, and just just to tell you my story. So I basically in 2017 uh, I was uh, finalizing my second uh, master degree and was searching for some new opportunities, and I was asked by my uh, former colleague uh, from a business paper uh, whether I know someone who would be interested in uh, dedicating like three, four hours per day um, to this digital assets publication. Uh, and I was like, well, I, I, I don't know anyone to, to give you, but maybe I can try out. Um, so it started as a part-time adventure. Obviously, within a month, it became even more than just full-time job. It's like 20 hours per day. And here we are. And I started when Bitcoin was 2000. And then in, in four months, it, it, it became 17. And I was repenting. I didn't invest <laughs> as soon as I joined. Um, we, we are talking today about bridging the gap between speculation and fundamental value. So I would love first to define what is this fundamental value we're talking about. For me, when I joined Cointelegraph, that is... Uh, one of the biggest and oldest education platforms, uh, news uh, outlets in the space. Now, our mission from the start was to, to bring this awareness about the potential of the blockchain technology to decentralize decision-making and to bring more efficiency to the most challenging issues that our world is encountering from climate change to uh, financing uh, the unbanked and all the range of uh, topics that could be changed with the blockchain technology. Uh, so my question to you is, how do you see the fundamental value of blockchain, digital assets, and the whole ecosystem? Whoever wants to start. <laughs> Ladies first, okay. Ladies first, I guess. Um, so, in the digital uh, assets uh, ecosystem, uh, from my experience, the NFT is uh, crucial. Uh, right now, the NFT is kindly um, a niche market. So, because the, the title of the, the event is the Shaping the Future, so um, I think that we can talk about a more visionary and more in long term, uh, what are the values of NFTs? Uh, many people have heard that it's digital art, it's like game objectives, but there are much more to it. And uh, we believe that NFT can unlock a lot of values. Imagine like um, our resources, the physical resources right now. One day it can be uh, spent off and what is left for us? Maybe it's NFTs. So there is a lot good, of... Is it a good thing or bad thing? If... if uh... Maybe, maybe there is more to sandbox, for example. So um, maybe that the resource, uh, it goes away, but NFTs is left the still value for the uh, users, for the community, for the, the people. And uh, we Who believe that... Who won't be there anymore if there will be only NFTs, right? <laughs> maybe both that coexisting. But um, NFT can also bring like uh, more chances to the developing countries. For example, Vietnam, uh, the movies, the IP owners, the, the entertainment, they have the chance to go to a global playground. 
So uh, the value of NFTs, maybe right now it still are not exposed, but in the future, there are much more to its digital assets, uh, NFTs. Amazing. Thank you very much. Well, I agree that, that the Web3 creative economy is definitely a great opportunity for the artists, creators, journalists, uh, and those who do not have access to centralized platforms. Um, so let's move forward. Toby, what's your take on the fundamental value of blockchain and digital assets? Okay, I, I, I get asked the question a lot. Um, is is blockchain technology really useful and are digital assets scammy? And are there problems with digital assets? They, they implode, uh, they have very big highs, they have very big lows at the same time. And just to clear up any fundamental misconception, blockchain technology and digital assets are inextricably tied together. Um, so I don't know, um, I, I try not to teach anyone in the room suck eggs, um, but blockchain technology is a decentralized technology whereby uh, unconnected parties are verifying transactions. And to remunerate, to pay them to run that process, which it covers both capex and opex, the equipment to carry it out, and also the, the cost, the electricity of mining it uh, or validating it, um, there needs to be a value there uh, uh, by way of terms of remuneration. So blockchain technology and digital assets are inextricably tied together. Um, to, but to directly answer your question, I think digital assets have, and the token economy has the potential to change the world. Um, and before that happens, I think uh, it needs to um, refine somewhat. Uh, I think the space needs to grow up. Um, and I think that true potential needs to be realized. And I think we're on a journey to make that happen. But it's not going to be a smooth journey, as we saw what happened with Terra the other day. And I'm pretty sure there are going to be some other horror stories that are going to come along. But without those experiences and refining uh, this asset class, um, and we're never going to actually end up where, where we're all needing and wanting to be. Thank you. I like the septic, uh, skeptical optimism of yours. I'll try to give you a balance view today. See that you're British. Yeah. A bit salty. <laughs> Dimitri, um, I'm really curious to know your take on this because exchange businesses. It's pretty challenging these days. So how do you how do you still purify it, uh, the fundamental value of uh, of blockchain for yourself while operating an exchange chasing top fifty, top ten, top five, top one? How do you balance? Yeah, thank you for this one. So um, I just came from Dubai and. Um, the main topic of all events was uh, Web 3.0. So um, the main things what happening around Web 3.0, what uh, all just talking, but don't, don't understand really what uh, that means for all of the world. And uh, really this technology, this new generation of technology is a, uh, a huge value for the whole blockchain and digital assets world. 
And as cryptocurrency is as a digital asset exchange, of course, we um, provide an opportunity uh, to join with Vault and we're using uh, blockchain as it is uh, much as possible because we're providing availability to uh, uh, for for users to uh, use this power uh, to like uh, make uh, kind of things with it and uh, use our different blockchain based on blockchain products. So, of course, this uh, this is a huge challenge because it's just couple cases what go on deeply inside of blockchain. But for me, a general value of a blockchain itself it's supposed to be outside of uh, crypto business and uh, we should see it outside and in all uh, spheres of economy in the country so in my opinion uh, that's why many governments still not strict about uh, blockchain acceptance and using this technology as much as possible because they really don't understand how to use it even sometimes we uh, just have uh, had in some rumors or like trying cases where how blockchain uh, can be used in uh, some spheres like wine tracking or uh, like weather tracking, oracles, something like that. So this is just not mass adopted right now. And uh, that's why um, governments mostly can't see the huge fundamental thing what going above, uh, go, going inside of this technology. Of course, we as experts in this field, we totally understand it. That's why we're working hard uh, from a long time until now about uh, uh, promoting this uh, technology, about adoption of this. So I think we're going well and uh, we believe on it, what in five, 10 years, mass adoption of this technology must be on the government levels. And we have a great examples. Uh, for example, couple countries already were moving forward in this, like Singapore, like Dubai. It's mostly uh, city countries, but uh, way uh, small about decision-making, where government sm smart enough to provide opportunity for the people to use this technology. And that's why we're leading the whole uh, um, digital asset and blockchain world uh, further. And with time, after 10 year period, uh, for sure we'll be we're general leaders of this industry and other countries just will accept it. You mentioned a very important point about mass adoption. So um, Corbin, my question to you would be, do you think that the fundamental value of blockchain is dynamically changing uh, since we started as a small community and while we are moving toward mass adoption. What, what, what are the differences? And obviously I'm interested to learn whether you are Bitcoin maximalist or <laughs> alt digital asset yes. maximalist. <laughs> Good word. <laughs> uh, yeah, for, I mean, for me, there's always this core part of digital assets and Bitcoin and, and, and blockchain. And that comes down to the, there's an old saying in the Bitcoin world, which is like, bank the unbanked, unbank the banked. I mean, I'm Canadian, our banks are fine, aside from maybe customer service being horribly slow. Uh, I'm in a country where I don't really have to worry too, too much about you know, the, the banking issues there. But I think what blockchain does and what digital assets provide is the ability for users to hold their funds in a non-custodial wallet they can take their assets anywhere in the world. It's unstoppable. 
if you go visit China and China takes your phone and they take your clothes and they take your shoes and you decide, eh, as long as I got those 12 words in my head, I can walk out of this country at some point with all my digital assets with me. And I think for some people that that's a scary thought, but I think for others, it's empowering. I think, you know, we're in Vietnam. Uh, I think, you know, Uncle Ho, Ho Chi Minh, he would love the idea of blockchain technology. How many of you here have uh, ever forgotten one of his 12 words? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. Uh, write it down somewhere in a safe place. It, uh, I, I would say that it evolves, though, like going to what you were saying, the, the evolution of, say, the fundamental value has continued to evolve. And we see that, you know, at Bitcoin.com, you know, Bitcoin.com, we support more than just Bitcoin. We have Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Avalanche, we just launched. We've got Bitcoin Cash. We've got ERC-20s. We've got stable coins. And I think any digital asset company needs to be flexible. And I, I think the maximalist position of many Bitcoiners is too hard-lined. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it would be like being a VHS maximalist. You know, there's not, there's no people like, holding down the fort for VHS. I think technological progressivism is a good thing. Uh, new flavors of, of digital assets and blockchain will come uh, with, with each iteration and each cycle. And that's a good thing. And I think that that's going to bring about more utility and more fundamental value, be that through NFTs, be that through you know, e-ticketing, be that through uh, lending borrowing protocols and smart contract opportunities. Like We're in a, we're in a very unique and... and uh, I'd say very inspiring position to be able to be at the forefront and you know support more of uh, of the exciting things going on in this industry. I'm very impressed by the exciting things happening uh, in this wonderful country. So, Leo, could you please give us a take from the Vietnamese perspective uh, on what is the value uh, that the blockchain is offering for the country and for you in particular? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think for emerging uh, countries like Vietnam, the Philippines, and Brazil, like uh, for the first time, people can really like uh, use digital finance. So uh, it's going through a very uh, easy to understand and familiar forms, uh, which is gaming. So we have GameFi, and user kind of like uh, invest to buy some items, and hopefully the price will go up and sell. Uh, but I think for the long run, uh, the, uh, that, that, that model is not sustainable. And the good thing is uh, now in, in Vietnam, uh, blockchain companies and also GameFi projects, they are changing quite fast. So uh, they really want to build something that people want to uh, play. They focus on the gameplay, the game story, and uh, making money is uh, like secondary. Yeah, so, so I think... Um, Blockchain brings a lot of uh, potential for, for markets like, like Vietnam. And uh, uh, it serves like un, uh, unbanked people and underserved uh, people in the uh, area that uh, has not like uh, infrastructure for, for, for example, for trading. Because like uh, for stock trading or commodities trading, it is very difficult for them to assess. Yeah, so I think uh, blockchain and crypto bring huge uh, potential. Thank you very much, Leo. Okay, we're moving toward the tough part. Um, 
Nobody mentioned speculation, thank you for that. Uh, but this is definitely like, I'm pretty sure every one of you has had something to do with someone who uh, revealed to be a, a speculator. Um, is it a human nature? Is it, uh, is it we we're talking about emerging technologies, like is it a feature of an emerging uh, area? Is it something else? Is it lack of regulations? Um, who are those uh, actors who bring more speculation to the space? I want your take on that. Dimitri, you are with exchanges. I think exchanges are having issues with speculating on liquidity, on uh, you know, different um, indicators of uh, performance, because again, it's, it's, it's always about competition. So how do you see the space from this perspective and how do you see the potential of clearing it out of um, speculating actors? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think some people can think what uh, uh, digital asset exchanges can be a drivers of speculations, because <laughs> we actually platforms what provide this availability to speculate and like trade. But anyway, in my opinion, I just uh, fall a little bit about this topic. Uh, in my opinion, my opinion, uh, normal speculation, uh, what means like uh, up to fifty percent above. Uh, current market price, we can say, uh, it should be on the market because we can go to like any local market to buy apples or something like that. We will also find out some speculation over where. So you, we can, you can find uh, apples for 5,000 dongs here, here is for seven, here is for 10,000. So this is also speculation, but it's like same apples, but for different prices. And this is actually where, um, this speculation is moving uh, trading forward, even in, on the Apple example. So this is the same for digital assets and people, sometimes we need this speculation, we must speculate because it's a part of, uh, of a game. It's a rules of whole economy. We can find out it in the stock market and same goes on uh, our platform and ours. Uh, so. This is how it works and this is how it works in future anyway. So if we have, of course, speculators who are doing illegal arbitrage or something like that, of course, we are doing some measures against them because this can be painful for our traders. So market should be clear and we are providing very clear and transparency uh, situation for all people so we can uh, join markets and with trust and without expectations what they can like blow away where uh, wealth. So in my opinion I, I, I'm voting for the normal and healthy speculation in any sector even in uh, digital asset sector it must be so uh, this is how this sector also surviving because without it uh, i'm telling again it will be not just interesting for the people because uh, also this uh, speculating factor is a, a part of further development because uh, with this uh, part of speculation thing uh, actually uh, this is how company grows and this is how people's grow the wealth grows so it must be anyway very interesting perspective. Toby, I, I see that you want to share something. 
I think we're, I think this is a really, really important question. Uh, I think we are in a urgent rush against speculation. I think it is one of the biggest challenges and dangers that um, is presented within digital assets today. Um, digital assets are unregulated. And you mentioned the stock market earlier. It's a regulated marketplace. Um, every time we've listed our token, um, and every time I've been involved in any token being listed, we need a legal opinion. And the legal opinion clearly states that this token is a utility. It is not a security. It has fundamental use cases and value outside of speculation. If it falls into the speculative bracket, it is a security. And that's when you're going to have the likes of the SEC crawling down everybody's throats. It's going to give them the option to try and shut this industry down. So in conclusion, I think we're in a rush against speculation where the real utility of digital assets or tokens becomes apparent that they're actually going to be proved to be used within protocols, delivering value, uh, or they're uh, on a loyalty basis that they're actually redeemable within their own ecosystem and thus can prove usability and utility once again. But for I think we are on borrowed time if we think that we can maintain um, or carry on driving towards uh, mass adoption because the states and Western countries are going to be a major part of that especially when it comes to fiat rails and enabling the liquidity in and out of digital assets. And it's not going to take long for the game to be up, whereby the vast majority of tokens are purely speculative, and we think we're going to get away with that for very long. We're not. So we are in a rush against speculation, in my opinion. And I think it's beholden on all of us here that are in the industry, that are leaders within this industry, to really push that along. Um, otherwise, we're sleepwalking into a potential disaster. Thank you, Toby. Um, let's move toward NFTs. That um, definitely is a very trendy topic. And you mentioned an amazing potential of NFTs, so digital certificates, for, for so many applications. And still we see this FOMO uh, approach from so many communities and so many celebrities who do not know much about the blockchain technology but want to get into NFTs. Um, is it about speculation? Is it about something else? How do you see protecting the NFT space uh, of this unsavvy uh, and unliterate approach? Um. For the speculation or the celebrities or influencers who support the NFTs because of speculation is because, uh, firstly, they see the value of NFT is intrinsic, but the value of NFT is extrinsic. So it's totally different. For example, a digital art, we don't see that it doesn't have any intrinsic uh, value. But uh, NFT deliver the community and the users others' uh, values. For example, uh, you have access to the private clubs, uh, private events. You have proof of ownership uh, that is unique and you are the unique owner. And then, of course, there comes the royalties, uh, 
the benefits that unlocks also the uh, economic values for the owners. But uh, yeah, I, I think that the... It's How do you define the intrinsic value? I mean, I'm, I'm interested in... Uh, it's a very interesting uh, take, but I still think that there are NFTs with intrinsic value. So I'm really curious to know what, what, how do you consider intrinsic value? Um, intrinsic value is that the NFTs, uh, without trading or without on the market, it has a certain value. Uh, for example, a, a digital art that someone is uh, artist, artist who draws, I can draw it and then I can evaluate and I put it on OpenSea, for example. Uh, so alone, not on OpenSea, it's just a, a scratch. But the extrinsic value is that the value it delivers the users without putting it on a marketplace. Okay. Well, as far as I know, there are also NFTs that are created pieces of art for the NFT. So in this case, maybe we still speak about intrinsic value of those objects. Anyway, interesting perspective. Yes. Please continue. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think that the the NFTs, both with the physical object of a painting, for example, that has an intrinsic value. That is a little bit different than in that case. So how do we protect the space of speculation? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, to protect uh, users, uh, I think that um, uh, firstly, the they have to understand the value of NFTs. So a lot of people, uh, they don't, uh, for example, a digital asset project, they just, okay, there are a lot of metrics to uh, try to value the digital assets, but uh, many majority of people don't look at, for example, uh, the on-chain data or the uh, um, uh, engineer, engineering behind engineering behind the project, what are the builders are building? Uh, why are they building it? And who who is gonna use the what they are building? And how are the community uh, look at that kind of uh, project? So a lot of value of the NFTs project uh, rely on behind it. Like um, many people, like Reddit, we just mentioned, uh, why a lot of people uh, look at GitHub why a lot of people uh, search information on Discord instead of the traditional uh, platforms. So if you want to evaluate something that is new, that is non-traditional, non you have to find the non-traditional methods to do so. Okay, this brings me to my favorite topic of education that Ben before mentioned. Uh, okay, so how do we educate ourselves? I know that you, Corbin, are also working. Um, it's... Uh, Appreciation sign, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, you're working also on uh, information platform. Yeah. Um, so, how do we create this new platform for Web3, for blockchain, uh, that provides even more authentic resources than Reddit, Discord, and GitHub? Yeah, I, I mean, from, from my end, it, it seems like there is this uh, requirement that I think the industry needs to take, which is to really lean into the utility, uh, lean into the reward aspect and, and, and really level up users from Bitcoin into Web3 and DeFi. The current situation with DeFi and Web3 is that there's stagnant growth happening right now. We're not seeing as many people joining Web3 and DeFi this month as we did six months ago or 12 months ago. Uh, you know, DeFi summer in 2020 was like the big, 
you know, hockey stick of growth. It was exponential growth into Web3 and DeFi, but we've seen it kind of top out. And I think what we're going to, you know, what's going to happen over the next cycle is that people are going to naturally gravitate back towards Bitcoin. And from Bitcoin, they should be able to find their way safely, securely uh, into different protocols and different utility um, uh, opportunities, be that through like NFTs, be that through uh, yield opportunities. But I think they're going to come through Bitcoin first and then graduate from Bitcoin. Now, th that's a great opportunity for other projects to level users up and, and get, them from, get them from Bitcoin, which is kind of the zero right now. Bitcoin is default. Most people talking about digital assets are often talking about BTC, but that's not where the future of crypto is. Sorry, digital assets. It's where the future of, you know, everything's going to start from there and work its way over towards. But do you think it will be uh, lasting like this? Will it always be Bitcoin? Or I don't even remember the name, like the first internet, um, you know, how you call it, these boxes, like that we don't even remember what is it. <laughs> the little modems, dial-up modems. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so will Bitcoin at some point become this relics of the space or? I, I think it could be. And okay. I, I think the only way for that change to occur is actually with speculation. So I, I would take the stance that speculation is kind of good. Like nobody in this room is here because they're interested in Bitcoin always being the same price. Their speculation is kind of required in order for potential I think we uh, call it volatility. I wouldn't say that's utility either, but it's volatility. It's a, oh, volatility. Yeah, I, I would Better say it's, uh, it's one of the reasons that a lot of people come into this space is there's that greed component or that potential future opportunity that they can get in early. But I wouldn't say that that's a necessarily beneficial. It, it is just a, a symptom more than anything. Leo, what's your take on that? Yeah, uh, somehow I kind of like agree with Kobe uh, in a way that I think uh, speculation is somehow a human nature. Like it happens for everything. For example, if you buy a real estate, of course you expect to sell it at a higher price in the future. And education is important uh, actually to protect the uh, investor because uh, like uh, even like simple thing like finance 101, not just in crypto, but in general will uh, help the investor to see the nature of the project so they can have like more accurate uh, decisions. And uh, of course, to protect the uh, investor, uh, the regula regulators so need to move uh, fast and also the media can also play an uh, important role. And for the project itself, it can save the investor by uh, something like uh, vesting mechanisms, uh, tokenomics, for example, and I think that the, the, the uh, education for investor is important in a way that we can, like for good project, we can uh, assist investors to, to uh, focus more on the uh, long-term uh, project uh, that can bring really a positive impact in the future. Yeah. And, um, and also, uh, uh, we also need like a really good business uh, model, like a revenue model for blockchain projects. For example, in Faizen, we, we have a vision like uh, in 10 years to become a digital bank because uh, we believe that uh, in a decade from now, the biggest bank on the planet Earth will be a crypto-centric bank. But uh, for the next one or two years, we, are, we need some kind of like revenue. And at the moment, we are uh, just like an e-commerce uh, app that sell products and services to crypto users. 
Yeah, so to have a business model that can bring uh, revenue, then you grow the products uh, slowly. Yeah, that's that's how I think uh, we can protect the investor in uh, those uh, projects. Yeah. Thank you very much, Leo. Just felt the smell of strawberries. Does anyone feel it? Um, okay, my last uh, question to you. I'm I'm traveling a lot to different conferences, events, and um, community projects around the world, and I feel like uh, we actually have different communities within the space. So there is a more speculative one, um, maybe the one that is more related with trading. Uh, there is like geeks community uh, and geeks events where you talk about technology side. There, There is this um, discussion about uh, blockchain for good where maybe people are searching something uh, that they do not understand very well, but they see the value from the uh, socioeconomic perspective. Uh, there is governmental and regulations um, discussion that is taking place. In my opinion, in order to make this step toward fundamental values, not about bridging the gap, but about bridging these communities. So my last question to you is how we as as representatives of these communities should go forward and work together to bridge the gap and bridge these islands. Six minutes, so I guess just small, short thoughts on this. Thank you so much. So my thoughts on this is despite the price performance, uh, I, I am still want to focus on the value for the whole community as a whole. Uh, it's not just the investors' benefit for speculation, but uh, maybe for the countries, for other countries, for sustainable growth, uh, and uh, like for a lot of things all together. So just the speculation and a personal or a small community uh, growth. Uh, it's not going to happen, the the mass adoption thing. It has to go together. Together. The word is together. Amazing. Let's move forward. Toby? Um, I would say use cases, use cases, use cases uh, all the way. Let's try and get people to understand how blockchain technology can touch every or most areas of your life and then where possible protocols uh, on a let's say on a B2B side and then products on a B2C side um, and pushing that out and then educating people what the underlying engine is that's driving uh, those solutions, I would say. And I think that's where uh, mass adoption will occur when you actually need to get yourself involved in the uh, digital economy, in the token economy um, to drive all those different products and protocols. What's the best way to communicate use cases? Um, I think that, that really depends on, on a product level. Uh, by way of example, if I take a, a loyalty token, what's the difference between a loyalty token and a loyalty point? Um, just very briefly, if it's a token that has defined supply uh, with a decentralized issuer at hand, 
then it has value retention. And then educating people that, for example, if you have a, an airline point, you don't actually own that airline point. That can be taken away from you. Uh, that program can be cancelled. It doesn't, they can issue more of them at will. But if you have an airline token with a defined supply uh, that you actually own um, in a non-custodial wallet, for argument's sake, let's say, then that simple switch between the point and the token delivers um, value retention. And, and that's is that's something that blockchain can deliver upon. Just one use yeah, case. Thank you. In my opinion, it's about relatability in the end. It's not about even maybe understanding uh, the technology behind, but it's about the relatability to, to every human being. Corbin, what's your take? Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, blockchain and digital assets, it, it, it's there's still humans behind all of this. You know, smart contracts, the AI, everything that's happening, there's still a human layer to it. And I think the one thing is we need to evolve past some tribalism, work together as a community, build out some of these bridges to support more reward utility across chains, across communities. And I think, you know, what we're doing at Bitcoin.com, we're building out our own reward utility token. It's a, a, a loyalty point that people can use to, you know, uh, onboard from Bitcoin into more cryptocurrencies. And, um, you know, this is our opportunity to onboard more people. But, you know, I think what we're doing is, is focusing on the multi-chain. And I think more digital asset companies need to really consider not being so tied to one chain, but rather being more open to what's happening everywhere around the, the entire uh, blockchain digital asset community. Yeah. Thank you. So humans and community. Dimitri. Yeah. Uh, here I'm voting for the educational part, first of all. Um, I can truly tell you what no one bank in the world don't provide such educational level of, of especially financial education, what crypto, digital asset companies, blockchain companies, uh, digital asset exchange is doing right now on the market. Each uh, digital asset exchange right now is a, a small institute with a lot of videos, with a lot of educational part. So we provide information not about digital assets only, we provide information about financial education. So uh, I think the future is here. This, this is how we can connect people, connect different masses of geeks, different mass, masses of speculators and professional traders with, with educational part and uh, cases of uh, pra practicing of these educational things. For example, all of the projects making hackathons, all of the projects making giveaways. This is for traders and speculators, hackathons for geeks, and uh, uh, many other activities for the people uh, and different, uh, different minded people. And in my opinion, there is no any huge right now physical and online university what provides a special blockchain education for the people. So, so since it start to be in any country, like big physical building with uh, physical and online courses, uh, since that time we can say what blockchain uh, in hard development and it's in mass adoption worldwide. So maybe by economy, in the future, I just get this idea, <laughs> maybe in the future we will build this huge university to educate people. So... Where will it be? When? Where? Where? Uh, probably Dubai. <laughs> okay. And maybe some, uh, uh, some outlet or like office will be in Hanoi, we will see. Uh, so education is the key. 
is the key for uh, uniting of the people uh, and involvement of the people to crypto, uh, to digital asset and blockchain space. Thank you, Dimitri. So education. Leo, what's your concept? Yeah, I agree with Toby in use case. So we really need to bring cryptocurrency to real life, like using crypto, paying for things, go travel and do a lot of things with crypto in real life. And yeah, speculation, I think uh, we, we admit that it's a human nature and we see the same pattern like 23 years ago with internet, right? We also had dot-com bubbles, so people just jump in to make money. And that's uh, why we are here. We have uh, blockchain companies, we have talents and investors. Around. Yeah, so I think that the, the market will balance itself. And normally developers, they move faster than regulators. Yeah. Amazing. So faster education, humans, use cases, all together. Thank you very much. A round of applause for this wonderful panelist.